0: Where are my pirate ship, kiddos? If you're in first through fifth grade, if you can jump over the door over there, we're going to see you guys later. I love those those kids. We're thankful for uh, those who give up of their um, time and service time to be. (laughs) There you go. You might need this. If you can do me a favor too we 're uh, unfortunately not going to have the uh, scripture up on the screen so if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Matthew chapter three and uh, if you don 't have a Bible and you 'd like one uh, this morning to follow along, we have several that are on that table over there, and if you want one, you can slip your hand up in the air and Joel or, or somebody will, will get you one and we 'd love for you to have if we 'd love for you to have a Bible if you don 't have one uh, so that you can follow along in the service today. We are starting uh, a new a sermon series that will last us all the way and through Uh, September we are going to walk through a large portion of the book of Matthew so go ahead and put this you know most people have this little ribbon just go ahead and put that little ribbon in Matthew uh, and you'll be able to turn right to it uh, when the time comes and the the name of this this series is called sojourn now sojourn uh, means a temporary stay and a sojourner is someone who goes from place to place and doesn't stay for a very long time now What we see is, what we're going to see in Jesus's life as we walk with him over the next few months is that he kind of is a sojourner. He goes from place to place, doesn't really have a home, uh, moves from place to place, kind of camps out, hangs out with people in people's houses, uh, and, and he's a sojourner, moves from place to place. And each part... Is very progressive. He's moving to a certain in a certain direction. He's got goals that he wants, and and we are the same way. I mean, unless you are, uh, you know, Marty McFly, you are not going to go back in time. You you are moving forward in your life. You are progressing forward now. If you're, if you're like me, uh, I've had several kind of sojourn episodes in my life. Uh, I, I kind of was thinking through uh, my my car situation. I had very temporary stays in most of my cars. My first car ever was a 1979 Lincoln Continental. Now, <clears throat> if you know anything about that, uh, that means you're Significantly older than me, because uh, that car is older than I am. Uh, there, it, it's a boat. It's huge. From my chest, we measured it from my chest or my eyesight, to the hood ornament was 10 feet. That is a large vehicle. I mean, it was huge. And you turn it, it kind of just turned on the shocks a little bit. It was glorious. I graduated, graduated is a liberal term, uh, graduated to a Chevy Astro van. In which we took out, we thought it'd be cool to take out the seats. And my parents, my parents bought me a rug that had the Twister game on it. It was the Shaggin' Wagon, at least that's what we called it, and uh, I, we didn't know what that term meant at the time. So that's why we could get away with that. Um, uh, and then we, one, then I went to what positively I think that uh, we went to a, I went to a Mercury Sable or a Ford Taurus, same thing. Uh, I think the designers of the Mercury Stable said, let's make the most boring car on the face of the planet, construct it, and try to sell it, and people will buy it. So that was, it, was, it was the most boring, bland car I'd ever had. And then the, the Shekinah Glory decided to shine upon me, and I got a a, a beautiful uh, F-150 Lariat edition. It was awesome. It was the car we drove away on, from our wedding. It was just I still have a special place in my heart. My dad actually bought it back from me. Uh, He gave it to me. And then I was like, dad, I got to sell it. He's like, no, you won't. I'm going to buy it back from you. I love that truck. And there's like this like intimate moment. I think they hug in the the nighttime. Um, (laughs) Anyway, and now I just drive another very bland car, but it's very affordable, uh, a, a Toyota Camry. So we've had uh, this progression. We've, Me and my wife have moved five times in our eight years of marriage. Uh, we've owned four of those homes, and we just kind of go from place to place. Our goal is to stay here for a long time. So if you fire me, we're just going to stay here. Uh, so uh, that that's the plan. Five homes in eight years. We're, we're not going anywhere. We're going to stay here for a very long time. Uh, I tried to think through the progression of my favorite songs in life. All I can think of was my first, which was Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie. Um, I'm not sure what that says about me, but if you can think through your favorite, your first favorite song, what is your first favorite song? You kind of progress through as to what your favorite songs are. And we state, we, we have these temporary stays in places and we move we move forward through things. Now, uh, now I also had, last one, I also had uh, a kind of temporary stage through superheroes in my life. You know, I went through my He-Man stage, went through my Ninja Turtle stage. Uh, you know, I went through my My Little Pony stage. No, that's not it. Uh, and, uh, no. And then you, you have Superman. Now, I love Superman. Here's why Superman. Because you're Clark Kent, Kent, and then you're Superman. You know? You have these, like, two different Clark Kent. You know, it's just, Yeah. I mean, you, you go through two totally different personalities, uh, and you, you have this kind of secret of lifestyle where you're kind of this normal human being, but you're also at the same time, a superhero, where you have these incredible powers. What we're going to see in this, in this, uh, we're going to see in Matthew chapter three is you have Jesus who is completely human, but we also know that Jesus is completely God at the same time. So you kind of have this kind of Superman-Clark-Kent thing going on, where you have Jesus, he's just a normal guy, and then you also have the divine Jesus, the all-powerful God of the universe. And how in the world does that work? Because, I mean, Jesus, for the first 30 years of his life, lived in pretty... I mean, relative obscurity. There's not a whole lot go- that was going on. I mean, if you were Mary, Mary and Joseph, who saw everything at the Christmas story, all the amazing things that happened. I mean, the very fact that she was vir- gave virgin birth, which is crazy. And then, I mean, it, then you have these Kings showing up, giving them gifts from out of nowhere. Stars shining on them. And then it just kind of, after the first couple years, things just begin to calm down. I mean, the the gospel writers didn't even record. I mean, there's one little episode when when Jesus was kind of a preteen. But there's very little. Very little that happened. And what if you were Mary? And you kind of knew all the stuff that went on when Jesus was born. And then there's 30 years Like the whole, if I were Mary, I'd be like, I'd try this stuff out with Jesus. Like I'd like break clay pots and be like, hey, Jesus, can you fix that? You know, just, can you just put that together for me? Or, hey, Jesus, your dad is a little bit sick. Can you take care of that for me? I mean, there's, there's, you're wondering what Jesus, I want to know what you can do. I want to figure out. I know that you're a human being. I mean, because if you were married, I mean, you potty trained the boy. You know where we are in life. Uh, You you saw over him when he was sick. You saw over him as he played games. But you knew at the same time that within this, this boy, this man that became a man, is the power of God, the spirit of God, or just God himself. How does that work? And so as Jesus comes onto the scene in Matthew chapter 3, we're going to see how Jesus the man, I mean, comes into, uh, I mean, the whole picture is there. Jesus the man, Jesus God, the God-man, shows up on the scene, and we'll see, we'll see every bit of it. Um, and what does that matter? now and the reason why i want to tell you and here and if you're writing down notes i wish this was up on the screen because it's kind of a long sentence but the reason why all this matters the reason why we want to know why jesus how jesus was human and how jesus was divine at the same time this is why this matters to you our depth of affection for jesus is completely dependent on how well we know him let me say it again so you can write it down our depth of affection for Jesus is completely dependent on how well we know him. Now affection, that's not a normal word. Affection is this longing, this hunger, this emotional feeling, this drawing towards what I want. What I, what I want when I'm craving something. What I want when I'm sitting sedentary alone. I just, I, when I'm sitting watching TV, my affections long for something. So our affection for Jesus grows with us as we get to know stuff, as we get to know him. Now, we know this very well. Hopefully, in your marriage, the more that you get to know your spouse, the more that you know them, the more passionate you can become about them. Now, I know this with my own wife. The more that we are living together, the more that we walk together, the more passionate we become about who each other we are. I mean, it's a very positive illustration of who, now, I mean, my kids, I loved my kids when they were first born. Absolutely. But as they grow and as I get to know them more, it's kind of just strange. You ever, I mean, as a parent, you wonder, how can I even love more of my child than I do right now? But it's like every day, every week, every month, you're just like, wow, how am I growing in this affection for my children? It's because you know them. You know them deeply. You know everything about them and you grow. And and, and then there's this, like with children specifically, that's why it's so heart-wrenching when they leave the house because this is a person that you've grown to know so deeply and then they move out and it's so hard because they're now being separated for you. And right then your affections come out. Your longings come out. And so with Jesus, our affection for him will come as we get to know him. And that's kind of, uh, I guess, the backbone of the Sojourn series as we walk through it this summer is the more we get to know Jesus, the more passionate we will become about him. And so we'll see uh, a couple things. We're basically going to look today at two characteristics of Jesus. And I've kind of already spilled the beans on what they are, the fact that he is completely human and completely divine. So let's let's look at this. And I do want to pray before we read God's word together. So let's pray. Uh, God, we're grateful uh, for your word. I know that every word I'm about to read is absolutely perfect. And I know that it is the most perfect thing that will be said today. And so I pray that you would get glory from the reading of your word, the hearing of your word, the understanding of your word. And Father, I pray that as I preach it, uh, that you would just be able to affect hearts with your Holy Spirit through it. Uh, I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm grateful that he is so near to us. In his name we pray. Amen. So look with me at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. Now This is going to be the baptism of Christ when Jesus comes on to the scene for public ministry. It says this in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, meaning John the Baptist, "to, to to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? well pleased now the first couple verses this is what we're going to see we're going to see that jesus was completely human jesus was completely human and this is something that john gets wrong john who is jesus's cousin understands who jesus is recognizes who he is knows that he is the divine one and says wait a second If you're coming to me to get baptized, which John knows very clearly that John has been preaching, repent, repent, repent. You need to repent of your sin so that you can be washed clean of your sin. And I'm going to baptize you to illustrate the washing of sin. Now, here's the deal. Jesus shows up on the scene who's completely sinless. And John knows this. He's completely holy, has never sinned his whole entire life. He is God. And Jesus is standing in line to get baptized. And John is like, whoa, you missed the boat. Have you not been listening to me? You don't need to do this. In fact, I'm the sinful one. You should be the one who's baptizing me. That's what should be happening here. And so, so, so John tries to prevent him from doing it. And what Jesus says to him is says, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. I mean, could you imagine for a second if you were the guy standing in line next to jesus to be baptized just think think about the conversation that might happen and you might be you might have listened to john realize that you have significant sin in your life and like you know i'm out here in the wilderness and i really want to repent of what i've done wrong so that i can walk closely with god and right next to you this guy over here and he's got some kind of i mean he he just feels kind of more holier than you and you, you look over and like hey hey what'd you do he's like nothing I'm just the son of God. Uh, it, is there something that you need to repent of? What are you going to repent of? Well, there's nothing really I've ever done wrong. And you're looking at like, what, why are you in line? Why is this happening? One time I was, in a, uh, I was uh, coming home from a trip, and uh, you, you, I, it's, it's a late night flight, and I'm sitting next to the window, and I'm kind of on the flight early, and the whole time you're thinking, please nobody sit next to me please nobody sit next to me so they have that you know, who has that feeling when you're just like please just give me that open seat i really don't want please don't be 400 pounds i mean just like that's what that's what you're really hoping and i just i could really use two seats is that possible and uh and so this is what i'm thinking the whole time and i'm a terrible evangelist but i mean it's that's um i'm trying to figure out uh, how i can maybe make it look like the seats full um so I'm looking out the window, and then we're clo- they're about to close up the gate, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be good. And then one more guy walks on the plane, and you're like, uh, and you're looking around and you're like, you're the only seat that's left, and like, oh, great, here comes this guy. And he is a pilot with Delta Airlines, and he sits right down next to me. Obviously, the first words in my mouth are like, dude, you're in the wrong seat. You need to be up there. Why are you here? And 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 so it actually was a really cool flight Because what he had, what he got to do was he was kind of he identified with the commoner I would think that he'd at least be in first class. No, he was in the economy seats, and he had the full uniform on. I kind of got his story, and he was going home for the day, and he had already uh, flown for a long time. But what was great was that was probably the most turbulent flight I had ever been on in my life. And I'm like grabbing hold of him and the seat next to me. I'm trying to figure this out, and he's just laughing about this. He's like, "Oh, this is nothing compared to Nam when I used to fly planes there." And, And I mean, he's 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 loving it. And he's loving watching me not love it, but he, he, uh, and he's kind of making fun of me at the same time. But it was, it was great to have him next to me because I actually felt better because this person who should not be in this seat, who should be in the pilot seat, is sitting next to me and identifying with me and talking with me. It was fantastic. The reason why Jesus was baptized, I'm going to give you actually two reasons why Jesus was baptized in the first place was that he really, he didn't need to be baptized to repent of his sins. He needed to be baptized so that he might be able to identify with us. He wanted to be identified as a human being. To show the world that he was truly, absolutely human. Jesus was completely a man. So here, I mean, here's some things, I mean, just physical attributes of Jesus that we just don't, we need to think through. When, when, When it got hot, Jesus sweated. When it got cold, Jesus shivered. When, when, when he got tired, his body became sleepy. Uh, when, when he got hungry, he ate. He needed to. He was a real man. And not to be crass, but when he had to go, he went. You know, you know what I'm saying? He, when he, he, had, he felt pain, Jesus would have gotten sick. Uh, he, when he might have bumped his head. He was a carpenter. He might have hit his hand with a hammer. Uh, he would have stubbed his toe. Uh, now, at the other hand, I mean, he wasn't a pansy either. I mean, Jesus was a carpenter. He was a real man's man. He was a, I mean, I love that scene in The Passion of the Christ where you see him, he's kind of ripped, right? I mean, this, this guy, he, he was able to, to handle himself, but at the same time, he was completely human. He also had great emotional attributes. I, I, believe it, I, mean, I believe that Jesus laughed and he told jokes. I mean, he, he hung out with 12 guys for a long time camping, you got to tell jokes and have a good time if that's the case. I mean, they're going to have a fun time together. Jesus also was able, I mean, he, he got angry. He got mad. I mean, there was a, there's a holy anger. He was also tempted. Jesus was tempted with everything from anger, cheating, stealing, power, lust, and sex. He was tempted with all of that and, of course, remained completely holy. Um, He grieved. The Bible records that he grieved. He cried. When something was a loss, he grieved that. When there was pain, he grieved that. And he also celebrated. Jesus wasn't this this docile, stable, you know, just kind of ne- his, his emotions never fluctuated. I believe that Jesus celebrated big time. He went to big time parties where he celebrated. Jesus was absolutely com- completely human. Now, if we have that picture of Jesus, we can recognize that Jesus was in some sort just like us. And if he's just like us, he's identifying with us so that he's near to us. He's not this this kind of like floating thing in the sky jesus was a bro just like me and our mistake sometimes is to do exactly what john what john did and say and try to prevent jesus's humanity and say no 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 you can't do this this isn't you as if I, as if i you know next to me i, I would have said no Pilate, you can't sit next to me in the economy section you've got to sit up in in, in the cockpit because you're not supposed to be here He's like, I'm just a man, just like you riding on an airplane. Jesus is the same thing. I'm just a man. I'm trying to identify with those who are around me. I mean, this is also why we are baptized. Now, it's interesting. Jesus was baptized to identify with humans. Now, here's the reason why we're baptized. I want this kind of a side note, but I I do want to talk about for a second why we are baptized. We are baptized, which is a great celebration in our church. I love it. Uh, We are baptized so that we might identify with God. See, Jesus was, when he was baptized, when John dunked him underneath the water, and that really did happen, when John dunked him underneath the water, what he was illustrating was death and resurrection. That's death, burial, and resurrection. That was going to happen. And Jesus like, I'm foreshadowing what is about to happen to me in a couple years. When they're going to kill me, they're going to bury me, and I'm going to be resurrected into new life. And the reason why I'm being baptized next to you is so that you can identify with me as a human being. Now you are going to be baptized so that you can identify with me as God. Now, are you going to become God? No, not, not, not at all. But you're going to be, be able to identify with me in, in baptism. So baptism, here it is. And I know a lot of you maybe struggle with this. I've talked to many of you about this. Baptism isn't some kind of tradition that we do just so that we can, I mean, just so because that's what we've always done. The reason why we are baptized is so that we can identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we do it. It's an illustration of what God has done in our own life. And I want you you to think about that. Maybe you were baptized as a child. And and, you you had no recollection of what happened. Maybe somebody sprinkled some water over you or something like that. Uh, Here's what the word says that, that Jesus was baptized in verse 16. And immediately he went up from the water. Baptized actually means, the word actually means to be submerged into water. To be submerged into water. And Jesus did this when he was 30 years old. He was an adult. So he knew what was going on and that's why we do that That's why we submerge into water. It might be strange. That's why we bring a big pool in here and that's why we do it Because we're identifying with how jesus did that And so don't think that when we when we ask you and i'm going to ask you at the end of this sermon Would you like to be baptized? I don't not i'm not banking on some tradition that we always do and you know that kind of thing I'm asking you if you want to identify with jesus the divine so uh, so here's the, other, here's the other reason why Jesus wanted to be baptized. I said there was two. The first was so that he can identify with us. The second is that he can declare to the world that he is God's son. And I love this. Uh, verse uh, 16 and 17. It says, He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So here's the deal. We're, we, we already took care of Jesus completely human. Second part of this is Jesus is completely God. Jesus is completely God. How that works out in the, how can you be 100% of two things? I have no idea, but I'm going to go ahead and say that our logic doesn't completely encapsulate everything in the universe so that Jesus is, can be 100% man and 100% God. Uh, The theologians call this the hypersthetic union. It's really kind of strange, but um, we have this huge picture of Jesus as the God man coming together. And we see all of the pieces here that he is a man and he is also being declared God. Now he's being declared right here as the Messiah. I love this. In Isaiah 42, it was supposed to be on the screen, but we're gonna, I'm just going to have to tell you, kind of paraphrase. In Isaiah 42, what, what Matthew is quoting here is this picture of, You are my son, in which I am well pleased. In Psalm chapter 2, it talks about how this same one is the king. He is the divine king. Now, he is also identifying with Isaiah 53, back in the Old Testament, where this king... So the same king that we saw in Isaiah 42, who is, the, who is the one who is called out, is also the suffering servant. So he's the divine king and he's also the suffering servant. And by being baptized, he is saying, yes, I am God. And God is saying, yes, he is my son. He is God. He is the God man. He is the Messiah. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, what he's saying is, I am ready to do the work in which I am called to do. I've been, been in obscurity for 30 years, but I'm coming out in public ministry saying, I am ready and I'm going to accomplish what I've been sent here to do. And this is a beautiful picture of the divine king becoming the suffering servant because what you have what the Israelites knew was that they had this uh, they had this picture of the kingship now when god was when god created everything in genesis he then created this holy people the israelites for himself and they walked with god and they would then they would fall away from him and then he would uh, he would discipline them and they would come back to him and there was this repetitive cycle that used to happen in the old testament and finally they said we want a king we want a king like every other nation if we're going to be powerful a powerful nation we need a king and god said no that's not such a good idea and they're like well we're going to have one anyway so they set up their own king and they get saul and he's terrible he's awful he's the worst king ever but then god says okay i'm going to give you a king i'm going to give you the anointed one his name is going to be david now here's the problem with david david was a sinner and they they put david up on a pedestal and david was a mighty warrior you know how david david's life ends He's a shriveling old man whose kingdom was beginning to crumble. And he ends it not as a servant, but as a king who is so cold that he can never get warm. And then you have another son named Solomon who brings the Israelite nation to its peak, to its pinnacle of of just lavishness. He builds great temples. He builds great peoples. And and gold, and he was the most powerful king in the entire world. And he... Completely mutilates his life with sin, and then at that, at right after him, the, the kingdom begins to just crumble and crumble and crumble because what they had done is they said, "I'm going to put, we're going to put our faith into one man who is sinful." A couple hundred years pass, and you have this Jesus, who comes, is born in a stable as a commoner, stands in line to be baptized. By a crazy man. Not to be put up on a pedestal. But to become the king through being the suffering servant. So that he might be able to die for us. And the only throne he ever received was a wooden cross. In which he was nailed to it. And that's how he saved us. That's the picture of the gospel. And he shows his divinity. Not. In the lavishness of the things of this world, but in suffering for humankind and giving everything that He is to us so that we might be able to identify with Him. Not so he, we could, that He could say, No, you are the servant and I am the king and you need to bow down before me, even though obviously that's going to happen, but it's going to happen because He's so good, He's so awesome. And he is so divine. And so we get to the point later where we see Jesus. It says this in John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you're ever wondering how Jesus is worshiped, in heaven we see this in isaiah chapter 6 it says i saw the lord this is jesus sitting on the throne high and lifted up and the train and the robe filled the temple above him stood the seraphim had each had six wings with covered covered their face and covered their feet and cover, and with two that they flew and one uh, and and the one called to another and said holy 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 is the lord god of hosts the whole earth is filled with whose glory jesus's glory so we see the commoner waiting in line to get baptized and then dying on the cross And then what we see in heaven is this picture of absolute glory where everything is bowing down before this jesus So, yes, jesus was completely human He had everything just like you. He sweated he had felt pain But at the other end of the spectrum jesus is completely divine Where he gets absolute and complete glory and we pursue him, and we realize just how human he is. And we realize just how divine he is. We realize how much we desperately need him. And here's where we are. Here's what happens to us. We either um, we forget the humanity of Jesus, and so that that God is just this kind of <clears throat> spirit in the sky that we can identify with, that, that he's kind of our buddy when we call upon sometimes. Uh, but he's not near to us. We don't speak to him like a normal friend. Our affections are not for him. But we, and we, so we forget how human he was. We forget how he wanted to be our friend, how he wanted to walk beside us. And if we get to know his humanity, we can know that. So we forget that often. And also, I think probably more than that, is we forget the divinity of Jesus. We forget how awesome He truly is. And that's why when we stand in worship, when we sing in church, that there is no affection for Him. Because we have no idea how divine He is and how awesome He is. It's because we don't have any affection for Him because we don't understand the divinity of our God. If we truly realize how awesome He is, there would be nothing stopping us from worship. And I'm not just talking about worship in this auditorium. I'm talking about worship as we live and as we pursue him. And so um, trying to think through actions that we can have. How do I say to you, I just want you to know Jesus. If there's one thing our church is about, I want people to know Jesus. Jesus. I want people that don't know him to come to know him. And I want people that do know him to know him deeper. That's what we want. If, if our church does that, then we, we, we will be a success. Whether we do that with 10 people, whether we do that with 100 people, it doesn't matter. We just want to know Jesus. And that's why we're even walking with him this summer during this series. And we're going to be walking through the book of Matthew. So here's what I want to do. And I want you to really, I want, I want you to just, I'm almost done. So I want you to pay attention right here and just, just get me right here. I want us to walk together with Jesus in the scripture for the month of June. There are 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. There are 28 days left in this month. So what I'd like us to do as a church is I'd like us to read one chapter in the book of Matthew together every day of this month. And here's here's my promise to you. My goal is to uh, read it with you. Uh, I'll start in in Matthew chapter 1 today, actually. Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to move to Matthew chapter 2 tomorrow. And, and, I, and I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to blog and I'll put it on the city, my thoughts about the passage. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to read it. I'd like you to journal through it. We have these green journals that are out in the foyer. They kind of teach you how to have a quiet time in the word of God. And I want you to do that. And so if you, if you want to pick up one of those journals, I think they're like five bucks. If you don't have five bucks, I'll give you one if you'll tell me you'll do this. Um, but... I want you to to walk with us together. I want us all to walk through the scripture together. And and so I want us to, so tomorrow or today, start in Matthew chapter one. You'll be done by the end of the month. I'm gonna blog my thoughts and I hope that you would maybe respond with your thoughts. I'd love to see the conversation roll on about what God is teaching us in the word together. And so that's my challenge to you for today. I just want you to walk with Jesus this month of June. 28 chapters, 28 days, Let's just walk through this book together so it can prepare us for the next couple months so that when I preach on a passage in September, you can be like, hey, I, just, I read that just a couple months ago and here's what I thought about it. I want you to walk with Jesus through this. The second thing I want you to do is, I, I talked a little bit about baptism today and following Jesus in baptism. If that's you, if you're like, hey, I, I kind of get it now. I understand baptism a little bit more, but I, I, I do want to know a little bit more about baptism. Uh, we we want to have a baptism service pretty soon here where we, have a, where we have people come before the Lord and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to show, you the, show the world uh, that I'm a Christian. And if you're interested in baptism, as I explained it today, come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you after the service about how you can be baptized and how you can, how you can show the world that you love Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's what I want to do this. So t- t- two challenges I want you to read the Word of God, Matthew 28 chapters in 28 days. Uh, write your thoughts down. Write them online. You can see mine. Uh, and then I want you to come to me. If you've never been baptized before, if you're, if you're a Christian and you want to be baptized, I want to do that. I want to see that follow through in your life. And if you're not a Christian and you just want to talk about it, please come and talk to me about that uh, after the service is over. So, you with me on all that stuff? Glad? Thank you, guys. Uh, and I'm thankful for our team today. I know we've kind of said a few things about our tech and everything like this. I, these guys worked so hard today. And I, I, they worked so hard this morning to get everything together to where it was at. And so I, I do. here's what I want to do. Can you give them a round of applause? Because they, they worked. They really did. I mean, they really pulled this from out of nowhere, how it, how it actually came together. So I'm thankful for my team uh, back there who did such a great work today. And so just when, when the end of the service, just go and thank them and say, thank you for giving us this experience. And we're, we're hoping to improve upon it next week. So um, let's pray together, and we're going to be done as a family. No, we're not going to be done, but you guys can come up. <laughs> uh, Father, I'm grateful uh, for your word this morning. I'm grateful that we can get to know Jesus a little deeper. And uh, I, I pray that you would uh, be at the center of who we are. Um, I pray that as we get to know you that we would know your divinity that we would know um, we would know how holy and how awesome you are so that it would, it would literally come out in our worship not only corporately but in our lives that we would know your humanity so that we're in, we're, when we are frustrated, depressed or, or angry that we would know that you have gone through these things as well that you were tempted with the same things that we were And that when we go through pain in our lives, that you went through pain as well. And that you identify with us deeply. That you're not a foreign God, but you are near. Thank you for that. No other God is like you in that. Father, I pray that we would just, as a church, fall deeply, deeply in love with you. And that our affections would be focused on you and grow to fall madly, deeply in love with Jesus. Um, When we pray as we sing, that uh, we would give you glory as a church. In your name we pray. Amen.